Hello, and welcome back to the Miracle Minded Podcast. This is your host, Cole Sylvester. And today I am bringing a very special guest onto the show. When I knew that I was bringing guests onto the show in 2023, one of the first people that came to mind was Kelly Raleigh. Kelly has just shown up in such a way that I have been in awe of her journey, watching what she's moved through, things that I feel like the average person would think, well, if this happened to me, I don't know how I could go on. I don't know how I could handle it. I don't know how I could manage it. Yet she's been a demonstration, a walking testament of that. And that's why I knew I had to bring her on the show. But not only what she's moved through, the work she does in the world, her mission, it's all really important work. And I want to share it with you all because I feel like the things that she has going on, it really touches on a lot of what we're bringing here, this message and mission of Miracle Minded. So Kelly Raleigh is an unschooling mother, intuition coach, certified brain trainer, and the founder of Kind Brain Body and Brain Spa. She has had a beautiful career as a director of various youth programs across the country and a family coach for teens and parents over 20 years. She knows the challenges of new momness, feeling scattered, and healing from traumatic events, so she knows how to help you thrive in your life. She discovered since the inception of Kind Brain that when people sustainably regulate their nervous system, their world profoundly changes. Can I get an amen because we know this, and she is someone that can help with that. So Kelly is a really big mission, and it's really just powerful. And she's reaching a lot of people with it. Kelly is clear that her mission is to transform how we all view and heal from trauma and grief. She's also clear that we can all heal once we make a choice to. We all have the answers inside of us. Sometimes we just need to clear out the static, she says, so that our brains and nervous systems can be clear. She is someone that can help you on that journey. So without further ado, I am going to share this beautiful episode that I have with Kelly. Now, before we get into it, I just want to send you a little reminder here. If you know someone that can benefit from this episode, be sure to share it with them. This one is a life-changing. Now, here's the other thing. Down in the show notes, as you're listening, you can find the links for Kelly's Instagram, her website. You can find everything you need to know. If this episode serves you, If you are inspired by it, which I know you will be, that I invite you to share it with someone you know, someone you love. And if you share it on social media, please be sure to tag us. We love to hear your feedback, what you enjoyed, and what your aha moments were within the show. So for now, enjoy the episode. All right, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Miracle Minded Podcast. I know your story and just like watching you in the last few years, just been in all of your process. And I thought you are a definition of a miracle-minded woman. And I want to share your story and the work that you're doing with my audience. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. I mean, I actually am really honored to be here. And I, I know that you really speak to a lot of women and inspire them. So, you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, we get to do it together. <laughs> So the thing about you, you and I connected years ago at a networking event and we didn't really connect. Like we never had a phone call. We never 
chatted in the DMs. It was just like one of those lingering Facebook friends or Facebook follow kind of situations. And then I feel like we circled back and it's like, I saw what was going on with you. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I was just like sending you love and holding space for you from afar. Like as anyone that you see online, you're like, wow, I can imagine that's hard. And we'll get into that. And then you came into money miracles. And then I feel like I started really paying attention and I'm like, you were up to such amazing things. And the way that you've been navigating everything has been so graceful. So we'll talk about that. But I want to know just a little context so people can get a taste of like way before the things we're talking about. Are you LA native? What was your, where were, where were you born and raised? I grew up in Lafayette, Indiana. Okay. And then moved to New York City when I was 19 and then went to school in Columbia, Missouri and lived in Columbia, Missouri for nine years. So I've been in LA for 19 years. Okay. I feel like an LA native at this point. I'm going <laughs> to disclaim it. So sorry, all you actual <laughs> LA natives. LA people are going to be mad at that. <laughs> LA, real LA natives. I feel that though. Um, you're so Midwest energy. I love that. I can sense that. And 19 years is a long time though. I mean, it's like a freaking lifetime. It is like yeah. it's a whole person. Yeah. It's a whole person. Yeah. No, 19 years. You've seen lots of stages of LA. So that's yeah. really good. LA is, I lived there for 12 years. I moved away twice and I feel like such, it feels like a home to me, even though I'm from Philadelphia suburbs, there's something about it. So yeah. anyway, that's really cool. So you came to LA 19 years ago. So when you were like five, or exactly. <laughs> so you came to LA what did you come to LA to do did you come on your own did you come with parents um I came with an ex-husband okay um so I was married before Eric I came with an ex-husband and I actually lived so my childhood best friend married Melissa Etheridge wow and we lived with them for like the first almost year of being here like nine months and my husband was like the estate manager. And, you know, I just, we lived with them and I just knew my first time coming out here was when I was 15. And as soon as I got off the plane, I'm like, this is my home at the age of 15. And I knew my spiritual community was here, even though I didn't really know what that meant at 15. And so, um, I just, it was just a thing to just get back out here. And I kept visiting. And then when my girlfriend was like, come live with us, we have plenty of room you know, your husband can work for us and then, you know, we'll grow from there. And yeah, that was, Epic. that's how we got here. So I have to ask, this is cool. This is why I ask these questions. Cause I just learned something that I had no idea of. And for all of you that don't know who Melissa Etheridge is, like I grew up listening to Melissa's music, like my mom and dad. <laughs> so it's really we cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, with your ex-husband, because I didn't know you were married before. And I can just think of a bunch of women that come to mind and women reach out to me. There's women in my programs that want to leave their husband, or they have these beliefs around like, what would it be like to be a divorcee kind of thing? What was it like getting out of that relationship? Was it? Yeah. (sighs) Tell me. It took about a year. Like I basically, before we moved here, we were together six years ish. And I, before we moved to LA, I said, I'm moving, I'm doing this. I would like you to come with me, but this is my calling. And this is where I'm going. I don't know what it all means. And he thought about it. He's like, okay, we're going. So there was already a a crack, right? Mm -hmm. Even though he's a really wonderful person. And while we were here, he was having a hard time and he started drinking again. He was sober when I met him. 
And on my 30th birthday, we put him into rehab because the last two months of that was insane. And on my 30th birthday, I put him into rehab. I have very few friends here. And I'm like, there's a, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And when he got out of rehab, he really went down the AA path. And I started doing insight seminars, which is, it's about taking personal responsibility for things. It's not about giving your power and being a victim to the alcoholism, Mm. because obviously the alcoholism, what's underneath that is the trauma that you're, you know, trying to keep away from. So we were just going in two different paths and I wasn't going to be able to live in the Al-Anon world of being a victim to all of it and like letting it just take over. And that just wasn't how I was going to operate. And so about six months after that, um, I met my, I met Eric and it was just like instant. And it was like, and, and my first husband and I were just done. And it was actually a really graceful, easy divorce. We sold our condo within a month. We're still friends to this day. He lives out here and he's a really wonderful man. He just wasn't my guy. And, um, he went on to remarry. He's been sober. He's a therapist. He's doing really, really well. Um, I just talked to him. Actually, he showed up a lot after Eric died and, um, you know, showed a lot of support and he's a good man, but we just, I love that. Yeah. I think that brings up a good point too, because I hear a lot of women say they don't want to leave sometimes or they find it hard to leave when someone is a good man. Yeah. You know, they're like, or it could be a good partner. It's like, this is a good woman. This is a good man. This is a good person. It doesn't have to be like the devil in human. (laughs) form for you to leave. And I think that's like one of the things that it's just such a way of self-respect and also honoring the other of like making that space. So I always like to ask just for any women that might be listening that are like on that path, they're kind of tiptoeing onto the path. So you introduced the idea of Eric and there's a few things that I wanted to talk to you about. Like when I thought about bringing you on, you're the first person I'm interviewing with all of these people I'm bringing on. So I'm like, I want to share other people's stories. And I thought of how you've gracefully handled grief. I thought about your un- non-traditional mothering, which I love, <laughs> and the work that you do in the world. So I was like, we're going to talk about some of these topics. But you talk about meeting Eric. And from what I've seen online, it's like you and Eric had such a beautiful relationship. And he seemed like your your best friend and all the things. And then tell us what happened, because that's where I reconnected with your path. I saw it online and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, and then from there, I was just kind of sending you love and watching your story a little bit more. Thank you. And I felt it. I felt everybody's support. Well, we met at a meditation retreat and he worked for my spiritual teacher. And so we had that instant spiritual connection. And when I met him, I actually saw him out of the corner of my eye and he was a bright light. He was actually not a person. He was a bright light and it was just instant. And I, we literally moved in a month later and we were together for 16 and a half years. Like it was just a done deal. Um, and there was nothing we could do about it. Um, that doesn't mean that after 16 years, we didn't have issues. Yeah. <laughs> With a child, you know, life happens, right? Life. You don't have all the tools. Yeah. Um, but we had this, like, like we were choosing each other every day, even during the like really not good moments. And so, um, we moved into this house that I'm currently in and, it was stressful. Like it was, it was our, you talk about your big financial leaps. It was a big financial leap for us. And so like, we're here, we're doing it. I was still a stay at home mom. Cause I wanted to be like the crunchy stay at home mom that like wore my kid and unschooled him from early on. And 
so I think it was, it was stress, um, that was like getting to him. And then we started doing our optimal and that was calming everything down. Like, I know we'll talk about that later, but like, that was kind of calming everything down for us. Yeah. And we went camping one weekend. We celebrated our wedding anniversary and he was then supposed to go with us, um, on this all day thing that we do in Orange County once a month with our, um, homeschooling crew and he didn't go and we came home late at night and he had, he was dead and totally unexpected. Like it was totally a, one of those tragic. Yeah. Out of the blue. No, looking back a month prior, he had a weird like heart thing. It wasn't like a heart attack. It was just, he could tell there was something going on. Like it was tingling. Um, he thought he was being pulled out. But we just thought, okay, well, that was an isolated incident. I mean, yeah, he gained some weight, but like we were healthy, like we do all the things. Right. And so we're really healthy. And, um, when I saw him, I didn't think he was dead. So I'm trying to revive him and, and then keep my son away. And it was just this whole chaotic night. Um, I called his best friend, got all of our spiritual community over here. He like, he'd been dead for about an hour. So there was nothing I could do. And, um, And it was just, I sat, I was in shock. Obviously I had to tell my son what was going on, but I also wanted to just sit with him and like his, his two of his best friends. And I just like sat over the body and just were doing a blessing. And Mm. it was just like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, oh my God, this person, I'm never going to see this person again. And like, it's that unwinding of that physicality that we did every day. We we were that couple that like talked all day and we like hung out all day. You know what I mean? So it was just that intertwining. Um, and then the next day I woke up in my home and I was like, okay, I'm going to continue like having an epic life like we did. And I'm going to continue that. And I don't know how that is going to happen, but that's, I mean, I'm going to do it. And I cleaned up the backyard and I had people over there. I mean, I had people here for like a month. Um, And I just, we cleaned up the backyard and we got back to how he, because he was preparing it for Zane's birthday party. Like that's why he was in the backyard. It's so, it's so horrible. ridiculous. the saddest movie that I've, you know, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Um, So he was preparing for Zane's birthday party, which was in 10 days. And um, so it's like, okay, we're going to clean everything up. We're going to get it ready. And um, we ended up having Zane's birthday party here and like 50 people showed up and Um, yeah, I just think for me, the best way to honor what we had together was to continue living. And now I'm in the awareness that I'm not going to continue that life. I've got to continue my own life. So I'm kind of unpacking what all of that means. Yeah, that's, that's so, it's so powerful. And I just want to point out, cause it's like, if I even imagine me doing like, you know, I think about when my mom died, that was the closest person to me that unexpectedly died. And I mean, I went into like my nervous system was not like, let's pray over the body. It went into like this little child energy, you know? And um, I had to obviously pull it together. I had to like do all the things and help my family because they weren't ready. But just the fact that you were like, let's pray over his body. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up and handle life like that. You know, it's just, that's what's so inspiring. And I feel like that's what I wanted to bring here 
because it's a demonstration. Like we see things on movies where people lose their husbands, people lose someone they love and they turn to like drugs and alcohol or they shut themselves in rooms for three months. And you know, everyone grieves differently. So I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not judging anyone that's done that. I'm not, that's not what this is about. I just wanted to show a real life example of another possibility right? that we can lean into as a, like, you know, something that's in the file of this is also possible. Right. Right. So how, how did your son respond? Because it's like, he's co-regulating with your body and you're navigating this. Well, what was that like? I mean, how, how did he respond? Cause he's I mean, he was about to turn five. So he just like, this was his first experience with death and he didn't fully understand it. Um, this would have been the thing that Eric would have explained perfectly. And I'm like, dude, like this is your job right now. Um, Cause he was so good at explaining the bigger visions he, I, I mean, I basically, I remember we sat in my bathroom and I, ju- I just said, you know, daddy's not coming back. And he just kind of looked at me like he didn't fully get it. And I said, daddy will always be part of our family. He loves you so much. Like, that's my thing is just remind him how much he loves him. And you can say whatever you want about it. And like, you can talk about him all the time. And I want you to know that like, we're like, we're the family now, like we're the team. And it's been almost two years. And he goes in this cycle of like every three months of having a big, um, like a big processing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause now he's six and a half. And I mean, some things have come out where he's just like, you and daddy fought a lot. And so I'm happy that you're not together. Cause at the end of the oh. marriage, we were, and then he was like, and then you didn't let me see his body. I mean, like he's, he's, he says it all and I let him and, um, and then just, just last night he was like, I really, and to add to this, our dog died two days, two weeks later. Oh my God. I, now I remember that actually that you said that was like, he was, he was with us with the dog. Yeah. Like it's like stacked, you know, it's It's like like stacked stacked grief. Exactly. And I'm like, bro, like, come on. (laughs) So just last night, Zane was like, I really miss Hucky and daddy. And and I'm like, well, you know what? Daddy would tell you how proud he is of you right now because you're learning to cook. And like, I just went down a list of like all the things he would love. And he wants a new daddy, but he st- like, it's just confusing. And so I just give him space to like. Have yeah. A- yeah, that's, I mean, it's a lot. And I think that's the thing is like, as a parent, when you're the only parent and then you're helping kids navigate tough things, it's like, it's so, it takes so much. I haven't navigated that, but my daughter doesn't have her father around and hasn't been around since she was two. So it was like navigating those conversations. It's like, while still holding space for yourself, it requires a lot of self-awareness and we have to have space to process and things like that. What I, when I hear you say that, when I hear you know that you could wake up the next day and do that, I feel like your spiritual perspective of what this is and like what death is like, what is that for you? I mean, I believe that we're a soul in a human's body and that we have a contract to, you know, our spiritual contract to learn the things in this lifetime. This is what I'm here to learn in this lifetime. And so Zane and I signed up for this. Eric signed up for this. I know Eric wouldn't choose it because he loved being a dad. He loved it more than anything. And but this is what we chose. And so 
I could look back at, he had a rare inflammatory disease and that's why his heart just stopped. Mm. And so had we found it out, he would have needed a heart transplant. Wow. And I look back at having to know that information and we don't really operate in the medical world. So I'm sure we would have done other things, but like having the knowledge that he could drop dead at any moment would have just completely like derailed how we lived. Yeah. And so it's almost a blessing that we didn't have that in a lot of ways, because then you're living in fear. Yeah. Um, so like the, there's just nothing that we could do about it. It was his time. And like, yeah. and so I'm accepting of it. I have communicated with him. I know that he's in spirit doing his mm-hmm. thing. Like, you know, it's <laughs> just, and so I try to, you know, impart that on Zane and, I mean, we've been doing a lot of our own neurooptimal sessions to like regulate the nervous system and keep that going. And that's helped, but also having the spiritual perspective, like I don't feel guilty that I didn't do something like, yes. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't think there's anything to feel guilty, but that's what, that's how a lot of people feel. They carry these stories and I feel like it can happen with death. And I see this a lot where people they're just like, well, it shouldn't have happened like this, or I shouldn't have lost this person. I haven't seen people do it with dogs for a long period of time. Right. And it's like, none of us are here forever. And it's heartbreaking and devastating. And it's also like this beautiful, to me, it always reminds me to live. So like, I always, you know, I feel that. So I love, I love how you shared. I, I just love how you handled all of this. And I know that you, as you said on your website, you said that you're still a work in progress. You're still growing, but there's a, there's like two little quotes here. Um, and I love this because I thought it could help people. Just the part where it says life got messy and you embraced the mess. And then you went on to say, um, what was the other part? That there, it was like, you didn't say this exactly, but you said almost like it was like an exit door. When this, when this death happened, it was almost an, a way for you to let go of anything that was unhealthy and authentic. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, I have an idea, but I'd love to hear it because I think that's so beautiful and powerful. Like when shit really hits the fan, you're like, you can really say, fuck it <laughs> in a big way. And it's like permission to really say, fuck it. Can permission to just release it. I came, so, you know, when I met Eric, I was leaving a marriage that I was I was 30. I was a baby in my twenties and I didn't really know myself, which we all like, that's normal. I'm not judging that. So I came into my relationship with Eric in a different way. And in a more like, not really in my feminine, if I'll just say it like that, not really in my feminine. And in the last few years with having Zane, it broke me open into my feminine. And so it broke me open into the soft receiving space, but he wasn't seeing me like that. Mm. And so he was holding me to the past. And so there were a lot of arguments and there were a lot of like, we were just not having constructive arguments. We were not having constructive, like using good tools to really get through the muck. And so I understand where I take responsibility for all of that because it was not all in just him. And so I get to release all of that. And I get to be a new person now in a new relationship, in a new family dynamic, in a business, in this world, I get to like, I get to present differently. Right. I love that. It is anytime there's a big change. I think that is one of the things we get to look at is like, oh, this is a new era. I'm actually, I'm going through that in a, in a weird way, which you'll see, but you'll probably breeze through this. (laughs) knowing what you just breezed through. But when my daughter, as she started 
being more individuated. And she's just like, no, don't care what you're saying. No, don't want to do that. And we go from being like besties. I'm like, do you want to go for ice cream? Do you want to drive with me? Do you want to go to the store with me? It's like, of course she wants to go into Target with me. And now she's like, no, no, I'd rather stay here. And it's just like I getting to love her and know her as a growing woman versus my baby girl. And then I'm just like, well, I have a lot of freedom. I don't have to be the single mom anymore, the solo mom anymore. I get to be like, I get to bring my sexy back. I can go out. I can have girls trips all the time. Like what? You know, like it's a new thing, but I had to give myself permission to like, let's not look at the closing door. Let's look at the opening door. Right. Yeah. How has it been being a solo parent? Like what has that transition? Cause it's, it's scary. I feel like that was one of the stigmas that even though my relationship was crazy and crap, um, Chanel's father had this fear of being a single mom. Like I just had, like, I never want to be that. And I think a lot of people do. I hear it from clients. Yeah. I was that. Yeah. I don't think anyone would like sign up and choose, even though I do know people that have chosen to be artificially inseminated and because they're like, I just want a baby now. And I feel like I so love that and respect that, but that that's just not where I was. I was like in the fantasy of like, wanting the family to look a certain way. And now I'm just like super non-traditional, but what has it been like for you transitioning? Like some of the challenges, some of the blessings in it. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, Eric was an amazing parent. Like he was just so solid as a dad. I couldn't even have asked for how he was like, he was so good at explaining the different perspectives. He was so good at educating Zane. He was so good at like hanging with him. They wouldn't play golf all the time. I mean, Zane like lived it up with him. And then as a family, we did a lot together, like camping and trips and even just driving down and listening to music. And so to, to shift so dramatically and so quickly in a way it's like, okay, well now I get to do everything that I want, you know, quote unquote, like I don't have to check in with somebody. I don't, we can spend the night at a friend's house in Orange County if we wanted to at the last minute. Like I mean, that's what we did. We actually took off for four months and we just traveled and we just went in all these, to all these different places and friends and explored. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace this freedom, but I'm going to tell you, it's so like, you know, it's so hard yeah. because even though I unschool him and it's non-traditional, there's still things that he does. And I need carpool. I don't have family here. I need like to pay for everything Like, and even just to not have the like psychic space at night, like Eric always did bedtime. So I would be with Zane all day and then Eric would do bedtime and it was great. And now I got to do it all. And yeah, and I don't have that fun in me at night. And so I always feel really bad because I'm, I always say, Zane, I don't have it in me. They would do songs and they would like hour long, like adventure for bath time and bedtime. And like, I'm like, bro, I, I can't do that right now. Yeah. I, I simply cannot. I've been working all day. All right, whatever. And that's where it gets exhausting because I don't have the, like, I don't have the passing off to like for a couple of hours Yeah. where I know it's like a parent, like, yeah, he goes to a friend's house and it's just not the same, you know? Yeah. Well, it's so special that he did get to experience that in such formative times because having a whole hour long adventure before bed sounds incredible. <laughs> you know, it's like, at least he got that in the formative years. I know. I know. I'm so grateful for that. Totally. Yeah. He would wrestle, they would sing songs. I mean, it was just like, oh, and, I'm, and I just feel so bad that I'm not doing any version of yeah. that now. But that's the thing is like, 
we do get to receive love from people in different ways. And, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. We all love differently. And it makes so much sense that you can't do all that while tending to yourself. And then I think that's the thing about solo parenting is, um, you know, people, I always said single parenting. And then one of my friends was like, um, it's solo parenting. You're not getting financial support from anyone. And I think that's the thing is navigating the stressors of I'm the one that pays for everything. And I have to uphold like that provider energy in business or in career. And then also be in mother energy. It's just different dynamics. And we have to be able to hold all of it. And it's exhausting. And And they're not complimentary to each other. It's not. Yeah. I think the more exhausting thing is though, staying in a crap relationship. (laughs) So that's what I want to share to anyone out there. Cause I feel like it's also, I love that's the freedom of being able to do whatever I want. And to me, it's like, I would rather not have any of the support. And of course I found my own ways to grow a business. It made me resourceful, but having someone not like respect or honor or any of those things I think is not worth it. So anyone listening, that's like, that does sound hard. I'm just going to stay with this person forever. And it's like, I don't suggest that either. And I think that the hard parts can develop our strengths. Mm -hmm. And so how has that, has it led you to be more involved in your business? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that because I feel like I didn't know about your business before. And now I see you showing up in a really big way. I see you selling out retreats, like all of this stuff is happening. And so it's almost like this dormant gift that's been there of the CEO, Kelly, that's always been in there in your DNA has been activated by the fire of this intensity that is like, I have to figure this thing out. Yeah. I have to figure this thing out. And I mean, I started this business three and a half years ago when I was a stay-at-home mom and it was a part-time thing and it was going really well. And it was actually like growing like wildfire just from referrals and whatever. And Zane could come with me. Like I had it all set up, but I didn't need to make the money. Like it was Mm -hmm. helpful. We did need it, but it wasn't like I need to make the, you know, the entirety. And, and uh, yeah, this, I'll even say six months. I'll say the last six months have been like, holy mother of God, what, what catapult did I get on? And like, uh, cause I love working with people. I've, I mean, my background is heart centered education. So it's not that this is new to me. Like I've been a coach, I've been a facilitator, I've been doing that, but I took a break and then now like the having to do it versus the doing it just for fun kind of shifts it. Cause now it's like, okay, I got to get my sales funnels. I've got to get like streamlined the marketing on point. I still don't feel like I really have all of it on point, but I'm doing it on like such a low budget and piecemealing it in, like in between, like taking Zane to places and that it's like, okay, God, like <laughs> show me what you want me to do because this is what I'm doing until you show me something else. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I feel like that's, I I've actually talked about this in money miracle somewhere along the way. in one of the live calls, I remember one of the women were like, my business just doesn't work. And I, and I was like, but does it have to? And they're like, no, because their husband buys everything. And Oh, I know they felt bad because they kept manifesting. They kept manifesting that their husband would buy the thing that they wanted or like their husband would get the thing. And it's like, well, that's great. But yeah. when it comes, becomes a must for our business to work, there's a different energy and intention and focus. And it starts activating you know, these ideas. 
you know, I really wanna... resourceful and really creative, which you're really good at. And <laughs> yeah, because you know, my life I had to be, and yeah. it's like, you know, it's driven me to find a way I'm like, there must be a way. And I think with anything, if we're willing to find the way, the way will be revealed. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to get a little sweaty, a little scared, a little tearful in the in the way. But like, little like birth, it's a little birth. It's a little birth of something that's happening. There'll be. I want to go into the business, but before I do, because I feel like I want to end on everything you do with Kind Brain, I want to talk a little bit about how you raise your son because it's non traditional. I know you do unschooling. Mm-hmm. I did this way late in life. I just didn't have the capacity to do it with Chanel when she was younger. But I didn't like the way school was. And I remember one of her teachers that like, I moved to LA to Mar Vista, one of the greatest like elementary schools there public so that she could have a great education. And I was having a hard time, like managing all the things. And one of the teachers shamed me. And I always remember her and I wish I could see her now in my more empowered state to be like, it was freaking hard. And you were not nice, (laughs) but she was like, don't you think you should have this down by now? And she was like in third grade. And I was like suffering with like everything, you know, that was going on beyond. She was like, she's eight, she's seven years old. Like, don't you think you would have this by now? And I was just like, like, it was horrible. Yeah. But I just felt like school, Chanel didn't thrive in school. I didn't, I didn't thrive in school. And then as she got older, it was like 41 kids in her class in LA all these things, the pandemic, they wanted them to wear a mask every day. They wanted them to do on Zoom. And I was just like, I'm taking you out of school. And to this day, when we sit down with people, especially people that like are very academic Mm -hmm. and they're like really proud of all of their schooling, I can feel the tension when I'm just like, I took her out. And sometimes I'm like, did I make the right choice? And I just have to go back to, yes, the feeling in my body was this is a no. So it's been and I'm the only one in my world that has done that. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I have a lot of people in my world that have dropped out and not done anything with their lives, but we're like, we're going to pull you out and you're going to be successful too. So I'm curious at such a young age, have you done this from day one? Like, no. Okay. Tell yeah. me about your thought process and like your vision for this. Cause I think it's really inspiring. Yeah. It was always our plan to actually world school. So we wanted to travel and spend weeks here, a month there, whatever, um, like exposing him. And we started doing that at the age of two. I mean, this kid has more stamps on my passport than I did until I was 20. And, and it's just like, you know, he's in Greece playing with these wild kittens. He's like, he's just like living it up and he's two. Um, so he's been a lot of places and he loves to travel. I mean, to this day, he's like, mom, can we get on a plane? Like, where can we go? I want to go back to Italy. And, <laughs> and I love that. I know. I know. And so that is my dream is to just be able to have the flexibility. Cause I would hear these parents, friends of mine that had older kids and like, oh, we can't, you know, we can't go on a vacation until X day. And like, we have to get back. And I'm just like, I would be the worst parent. I would be the parent that the teacher would say that to as well. Like, I thought you would have this together. And (laughs) I just would be like, no, I would be like, I'm the parent. I can do what I want. That was totally me. (laughs) And and yes, you know, like if you want to be in that paradigm, be in it. But if you don't, then I just feel like it doesn't really work. And then So this was all five years ago. I mean, so this was before, you know, lockdowns and all of that. And, and then we just found some communities. I mean, he was little. And so we would do forest school. So he was 
climbing trees and building forts at the age of three and like doing that and like doing little mindfulness yoga and like making mandalas and living this life that yeah. I just didn't grow up doing. And like, I want to sign up for that now. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like I love that stuff now at like yeah. 40. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's doing it and like, this is just his norm. And I'm like, yeah. this we're on to something. And so we have a big enough community of people that are doing that. And then when lockdowns happened, I was like, oh, definitely staying the course. Like that is just where it just, you know, strengthened my resolve even more. And so we continued doing everything because none of us were going to put masks on our kids or do any of the things. And, um, and so we just continued doing all of that. And now he's six and a half. He does go to this like alternative kind of, um, academy one day a week. And then he's got a couple of co-ops and co-ops are like 10 families that get together and hire a teacher or the parents do it. And so he does that three days a week and loves it. He's been baking since he was three, like on his own. He's probably going to come in here in a few minutes and show me something that he made. (laughs) Probably interview me next. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, like he's so smart and he's yeah. so aware. I've never given him an iPad to like go out to dinner. Like he is president. Yeah. And he has, his, you know, he's wanting his independence and we have our moments, but it was so important to me, which is why I also had to double down on my business because I can, I work out of my home partially. I have a spa and part of the house so he can be home and I can still work with a client. So it was like, yeah, that was just another reason to like make my business work. Cause if I go work somewhere he has to go somewhere and then like that just that made me want to vomit it just yeah it just creates a whole other level of stress and then LA traffic and all the things it's like it's a whole other thing I love that I feel like the thing that's so important about it which I started noticing as a grown woman working with other women that were grown is that there's a lot of unlearning of what school has forced you to learn that wasn't like your gift and not only was it not your gift, it was heavy and, you know, it can guide us into a way of like, I know me in school, I only went to school to eighth grade. And then I tried some college paying for it myself. And I was like, if I have to pay for my own apartment or school, it has to be my own apartment. Cause I didn't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. And in that, what I learned is that I, I found my own way by choosing to grow and what school was doing was like, you have to learn math. And then I always felt deficient because I hate math and I struggle and my brain is like overwhelmed. Yeah. And then it's like, what else in school was it like that with? Like how many times was I forced to do a thing to the point of overwhelmed and being reprimanded? And I noticed that pattern with Chanel. And I feel like all of our kids are so, I mean, they're, they're humans. They're all gifted. We all are like these perfect puzzle pieces. So I love that your son from like early on is learning to just like embrace what's like we need more humans like that on this planet. So thank you. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them because that's around. And I will add this last piece because I guess I just assume that you touched on it and I I'm going to hit it deeper. Schools take away our intuition. They expect us to outsource our expertise. And so the teacher, the doctor, like all of them just know better. And now Zane knows like he knows his own body. He's, he knows how to balance physically, you know, like, and test and see like what works for him physically. And he also like, I'm teaching him how to listen to his intuition and you're, it's stripped away in elementary school because you have to follow all of these rules. Yes. And, yes, yes, yes. And like traffic laws are different than you can't go to the bathroom until 12 or you can't eat until 12. Yeah. I mean, and, and so you can't move, you can't talk. I mean, it feels like 
a little like prison and I know people are not going to like that, but mm. it feels it is, it is a disassociating from personal yes. needs. And I always say like, I feel like it's very external. So it's like, pay attention to out here, out here is where you look. And then internally people are totally ignoring what's going on. And I totally agree with that. And that's why I feel like with my daughter, I just trust like she's going to be a great human and she's connected with herself. And to me, like there's things that are coming up now, like this is her graduation year. She's like class of 23. So it's a little, there are some little triggers for us because like, I'm like, should I, so that she can have a prom. But I'm like, a prom is not worth all the other programming. Like you will, let's go do stuff. So we're doing things like a Disney cruise and we're doing like, this is our year where I'm like committed to doing some growth things before she turns 18, like outward bound. And there's different things that we're like, we're doing it this year. But as a mom and as a mom that wanted to like raise my daughter the best, there's little things where I'm like, she's going to miss out on that because of my choice. But I still trust. And that's that intuition piece. The other thing I want to touch on, because you brought it up, is the medical piece and trusting our bodies. <clears throat> because I literally just saw this woman on Instagram. She's a college student, but <clears throat> she felt all of this pain and discomfort. And she kept going to the doctors and she's like, they're like, you need to stop wearing thongs. You're giving yourself UTIs. You need to stop doing this. Like you're, you need to stop like silly stuff. And she's like, no, I feel like there's something else. But with the, with the doctors being the authority, right. she listened, she found out she has some sort of cancer. She, she's like working on it now, but she's speaking up on you be the authority. Yeah. You have to fight for what you feel like is right and true. And I love that you're teaching that early on. And it's like, we are programmed to say like the doctor knows, take this medication. The doctor is the expert. So do this. And when we're doing that, we're outsourcing it, as you said. And then we look at why America's so so unhealthy, unhealthy and violent and all these things. So it's like, we're the work that we're doing in the world, both of us and a lot of my, my community out there, like every time we meditate, every time we read a book, every time we take a conscious breath, every time we forgive, every time we listen to what our body's saying, like that is part of our reclamation collectively. So it's so important. So I love that you're, and I imagine your son as a 30 year old, just like being such an amazing man. Like, and I love that there's a whole gang of these kids in LA. (laughs) Like I did not know about this. There's so many, like I have a girlfriend who wants to move out here and she's like, and I don't want to do the school thing. And I'm like, there are so many micro schools, so many micro schools right now happening. And these kids are killing it. Like, because then there's really amazing teachers that also want to support these kids in that way. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I'm just, it's a shout out. There's just, it's why we're still here. It's one of the, yeah. like, it's now easy. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's just, I mean, I see people like you can move to Costa Rica to go to jungle school. And it's like, this is going on in LA and I had no idea. <laughs> so I love that so much. Okay. So now shifting into what we have kind of touched on a little bit is I want to know like your business kind brain, but how did you get into this? Like, what was your entry point into even being concerned with what the brain has going on and what, like what led you there? Well, like I said, I was in the heart center educational world for like 20 years. And so I was creating leadership programs. I was facilitating retreats. I was producing retreats. um, And it was all about personal responsibility, but it didn't really address the regulating of the nervous system. Like there were points that it does and tools and like learning to do things, but ultimately there was no, like, there was no breath work and meditation to it. It was all about 
like, let's figure out how to stay in your integrity, use your intuition and take personal responsibility for absolutely everything that you're doing or that's happening in your life. Mm -hmm. We allow a lot too. And when I was like, Zane was like three-ish, I'm like, ah, oh, do I want to get back in the game? Like, what do I want to do? I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking about it. And my girlfriend was at a biohacking conference and she, they were like trying a bunch of things. And she's like, I just tried this thing called Neurooptimal and it is a game changer. It just is amazing. I did a session like a couple of weeks later and I'm like, oh, oh, this is a whole other thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I felt my first session, not everybody feels this way, but my first session, I felt like I'd been in like a meditation retreat and like had no, like everything is good. Meanwhile, my child came with me to that session. He was three. He spilled something in the middle of it. Like the woman there, like the brain trainer was like helping him. Like it, it was not, I was not in a bliss state like during the session. Right. Yeah. And I still managed to like feel that way coming out of it. So I'm like, okay, I'm onto something. So Eric and I started researching um, the system and find that it was created by two clinical psychologists that wanted it to support the average person. So there's no diagnosis. There's no um, mapping of the brain. There's no like pushing the brain. It's literally all designed on the basis that our brains are and our bodies know how to heal. We just need to get the static out. And so the brain sees what it's doing throughout the entire 30 minute session. And it's choosing, does it want to create a new neural pathway? Does it want to shift this pattern? Does it want to like do something different? And so the nervous system is in its own way, regulating biologically different than meditation. So now I can go deeper into my meditation. Now I can go deeper into breath work, but I'm just at a biological baseline. Like, okay, I can do this. If I were to tell you what is really like all the details of the last year and know that like I am in full trust 90% of the time, like it is a testament to doing the sessions where, okay, my nervous system at least feels good. And now I'm making decisions based on information versus emotional activity. I love that. I've been, I've been like super about brain health since I shared last year at the end of last year, my brain was not healthy. And I mean, I was having all this inflammation all over but I was like, it's definitely, there's inflammation in my brain and I can tell. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, what is it? I mean, obviously mental health, but mental health is brain health. So I was like, what is, how can I just love my brain? (laughs) Like, what do I need to cut out? What practices do I need to do? And I love, like, I didn't even know what a lot of these things were. And I mean, I've looked at things, I'm wondering, is neurooptimal the same thing they use with 40 years then? Have you heard of that? So 40 years in is Dave Asprey. So when Neurooptimal first came out, Dave was promoting Neurooptimal. Like he had um, the creator. That's where I saw it at his biohacking conference. That's what yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he, he has it at his upgrade labs. Um, I don't know if he does it at 40 years Zen. I'm not sure like all the technology that he uses there, but Dave was a huge proponent of Neurooptimal because again, it didn't push anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that. I like that because even with me getting a spec scan, it's like, okay, well, here's what's wrong. And then here's supplements. You can fix it. And there's some like different therapies you can do, but I like that this is something that is not invasive. I mean, it's peaceful. It's not, you're not drawing blood. You're not doing anything. When someone comes to you, I saw some of the, the testimonials on your website. It was like, it was like a brain spa. (laughs) (laughs) which I love that definition of it. It's like, oh, spa for your brain. That's lovely. It sounds great. Um, 
So, and now you've been leaning into this more. You've managed all this grief with so much grace because your brain is not going into these super depressive states. It's not getting locked up. So I think that's the thing with trauma. It's like when I was in those states myself, it's like my body was locked, but my nervous system was just like shut down. Yeah. Because that's your body protecting. Like that's the biological way that it needs to go. We just are more living in that than it needs to be an isolated situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when you're in it, it's hard to be like, you can't like mind your way out of it. It takes like very diligence and gentleness for me. So it's like, you know, and I want to share this for everyone. We've all been through different things and our body responds in different ways. But the thing is like the brain and the nervous system are so important and key to all of these things. Um, more than, yeah, like even sitting down to a meditation. Cause I feel like some meditations weren't even landing because it was just like locked. So tell me about kind brain. It's these sessions, but just tell me a little bit about what you do. Like a client hires, a client calls you now and they're like, I'm going through, I don't know. What do your clients call you and tell you they're going through? I mean, it's kind of a gamut. I personally (laughs) find the juiciest ones are going through like an acute trauma because then it's like, it's a very specific thing, but like, I've got just, you know, kids wanting better focus and like high powered CEOs that just want like better productivity. So it's the gamut, but most people are coming to me saying they're completely stressed out. They're not sleeping. They're going through some sort of big traumatic thing, a divorce, figuring out a job situation, et cetera, wanting to create a business and just feeling really stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and like, just it's that amped up feeling, right? Like the not calm nervous system. So when they come, I like to do an intention setting exercise where we also look at forgiving the judgments of all of that, because if we're going to hold the judgments in there, that's, what's going to keep us stuck. So that's just kind of like my initial, that's kind of my baseline with everybody. We always work on that piece and then they do a 30 minute session. So they've got a couple sensors on their head um, and a couple on their ears and they listen to music for 30 minutes. And the brain is essentially getting a mirror of what it's doing 256 times a second during that session. Wow. Wow. So it was immediate. No other feedback does that. It's always, let's see what happens over the next week. And then that's when you can get side effects because sometimes the brain's not ready to be pushed in that way that it did. So this is, it would be the equivalent of putting a mirror up to you and I, and you seeing something different and me seeing something different and like, oh, I'm going to fix my hair. And you're like, oh, I'm going to fix my shirt. So that's the brain making the decision. Do I even want to fix the shirt? Do I want to do that? But our brains want to avoid pain. Our brains Mm -hmm. don't want to be stuck in this. And so it does want to become more efficient and resilient because that's what it was designed to do. And the, the nervous system being in fight or flight or freeze, like that's supposed to be like an isolated, here comes a car or a tiger to make a decision, not living in that. Yeah. And I've had like probably a year, two years of my life that have been, if I think over the years of like when I've just locked, my body has like locked up on me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but also I'm contributing because I am also like eating sugars and drinking margaritas and doing all these things. And then I just realized like my body, even though the American diet is this way and it seems normal that people can just go to Starbucks and drink these things, like my brain is not going for it. (laughs) So I've had to clean things up like to an abnormal way. And, you know, it's like, it's good. It's good. It's led me to a path of higher awareness, but, um, what did you say? 266 something per second. It's yeah, getting a lot. It's a lot. 
lot. It's a lot going on. When you say that some people have an adverse reaction doing other things, do they re-traumatize like that kind of adverse reaction or? I mean, it kind of depends. Like I've had people come to me and your audience may not like this one either, but I've had people come to me even doing plant ceremonies and having Um, adverse reactions there. I have adverse reactions there. Right. And the traditional neurofeedback. So this is, this is again, bringing the brain and nervous system into an alignment. So you, I mean, people have gone like had temporary blindness or like migraines or just big things because the brain was being pushed to heal it Mm -hmm. and the brain was not ready for it. It's, I love that you bring that because to me, it feels gentle what you're describing, which I love. And I feel like I have had energy sessions that are too intense. I've had plant medicine that's intense and like how people do that. And they're like, I'm healing trauma. I've been re-traumatized. So it's like, it could be too much. And I think that's the one thing with our society. It's all about intensity. People are like, I see people getting these NAD things and they're like, I have it on the highest push. And they're like making this weird face. I'm like, ew, it does not. Why, why are we doing that? Like, that's not good. If you're feeling like that, your body's saying it doesn't want it like that. (laughs) Like, but we're in a society of like warrior. Yes. And I feel like for all the women watching, like, I don't even think that women should be in ice baths every day. I don't think that that is what women's bodies are calling for, but I think that's a whole other topic, but it's like women are, are bio, are, are, we're, we're individual from men. It's different. It's unique. Right. So I love how gentle this is. So I saw that there was like a 65 year old man on your site. That's like, I'm more productive now. And then there's like a 13 year old that was like doing better in school. So you have clients that are all ages, yeah, all different things. Tell us about your retreat coming up. Cause I saw your last retreat sold out. It was so it must be really good. There's good it stuff going so, on there. It felt so good to just like be in the energy of it all again, you know? Yeah. So I co-facilitate with a friend of mine. Her name is Sophie Fletcher. She lives here in LA with me. Um, we're in the same spiritual community and we, she brings a whole other um, style of, of processing and spiritual, you know, gifts. And so it really complements each other. And everybody gets, it's three days. The next one is March 10th um, in Topanga and everybody gets a neurooptimal session every day. Um, They get to do red light every day. So red light's amazing. If you're not doing red light, that, that can help bring down inflammation, pain, rebuild collagen and energize the mitochondria. So it's a completely different thing. Um, we do breath work. We do, um, obviously we're working with intentions. We do, um, meridian exercises outside under this beautiful Oak tree. Um, and then there's space to swim and take a hike. And there's this native American, um, piece uh, on their land. And we actually spent an afternoon doing like a full processing there. And it's like, it's so gentle and lovely. Um, it's truly a retreat. Like Everybody yeah. felt like, cause it ended like Sunday, like night, Sunday around six. And then people are like, I actually don't feel like I need a vacation from this because there was so much space in it. We have yeah. a Arabic chef. She makes all super, no seed oil, organic food. Yeah. Um, there's obviously people are sleeping on the property. Um, and we just do a lot of processing of like getting, you know, like peeling back the layers. So like people are aligning with themselves and figuring out what that looks like for them. I and so there's just seven people. So it's very small and intimate and, um, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Do you do them like twice a year or we have another one planned for June. I want to make sure that we do like four or five a year. And I 
do hope that we can get some like maybe international yeah. um, eventually, but Topanga, I mean, it's, you're in the trees. Topanga's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, so. it's a little magical. If anyone doesn't know where Topanga is, it's like in the like mountains of Malibu. It's yeah. a magical place. Yeah. Yeah. And they have chickens so, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of trees and horses and yeah, it's lovely. So. Yeah. I love that they get a session every day. I'm sure stacking them day by day is like yeah. a really productive for the brain. Yeah. Oh, and they also get a human, sorry, I left this out. They get a human design, um, personalized session. So everybody love gets it. their human design blueprint and how to work with that. Cause again, it's all about getting back to understanding yourself. Like, yeah. why do we make the decisions that we do? Why do we respond how we do like, you know, yeah. who are we <laughs> really now that we're out of the place where everyone's trying to make us act the same. Uh, yeah. What is your human design, by the way? Uh, manifesting generator. You are? Oh my God. I would not see, and this is the thing. I like to think like what I guess who this person is. What's your profile? Like the numbers? Uh, three, five. Oh, three, five. I'm a three, five, two. A generator though. But yeah. the reason I say that is because I feel like you're so calm. You give me total like projector energy. <laughs> yeah. But like when I think of my friends and people that I know they're manifesting generators, they're like, they work constantly. Like they're, I mean, I guess you're constantly, you are doing things. You're in it. Yeah. But um, they give me this energy where I'm like, relax. But maybe they just haven't had the neurooptimal yet. <laughs> and, just that's what and then they can do it I'm all like, relaxed. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a generator, but sometimes I'm like, am I a reflector? Because I'm a little bit like, you know, I can feel all these things. Um, but it's funny. They all go. There's like so many different facets of who we are. Exactly. exactly. It's fun to play with. So then like learn it and then just see what, what works for you. Yeah. How else, if people are not, um, able to come to the retreat or, I mean, this is coming out in, in a few weeks before, what other ways can people work with you if they're curious about this work? Well, if they're in Los Angeles, they can come to the body and brain spa and even add in red light and infrared sauna and do optimal and coaching with me. And I also do one day events, um, in my spa doing all of that. And then we also do a a personal strategy and that's only up to four, maybe five people. Um, but if, if they live far away, we can do the coaching remotely and they can rent NeuroOptimal. I have multiple machines, so I rent them out and, um, you rent them a month at a time and, um, or you can even buy one from me. Like that's possible. Most people like to rent them before they purchase. And then, yeah. So there's lots of, lots of ways. That's really cool. I love it. And I feel like LA is a great getaway for all of you that live in the wintry space. And you're kind of like, I want to be in some sunshine with some greenery and flowers. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good place um, to go. And I will and say like, a little visit. exactly. And I will say when you're in my spa, which is on the side of my house, like, I don't know if you, you know, there's trees yeah. behind me, there's actually my entire yard is private and covered in, in trees and there's deer that come. You actually don't feel like you're in LA when you're in my house as well. And so where do you live? Um, top of Sherman Oaks off of Mulholland. That's why it's like, so it's yeah. so gorgeous. I lived yeah. in the Marina where I was like, I need to get out of here. Like it had the water, but I was just like too, the city energy was too much, but like you get towards the mountains, the Hills and you know, it's, it's like a whole different world. I mean, for me with my little chihuahuas, I have to watch for the coyotes. So I'm like, should I get a house over there? But the coyotes are savages over there. So yeah, all of you people with small dog, I had a huge dog. So like that wouldn't have happened, but yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like my little babies. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think about where I live for them. So Mm -hmm. amazing. So Kelly, I, 
your story is, it's inspiring, but really it's just a reminder for all of us humans, like what's possible. You know, there's going to be loss. There's going to be, there's, there's like peaks and valleys in mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just a reminder that it's possible to go through it with grace and also mm-hmm. not give up on yourself, not abandon yourself along the way that your body can stay present through it all. And for someone like me, that's just been in this, like, you know, I've dealt with abuse since I was little and my body wants to just like shut down sometimes. And I'm like, no, no, let's keep going. <laughs> it's okay. And I love to see stories like this because it's just a reminder of like, we don't always have to shut down or abandon or disassociate. Like we can actually be really present and find the gifts in all of that. So thank you for sharing everything with us. Is there anything final words, wisdom, love note, anything that you want to share with the audience before we go? I mean... Obviously, it's just coming back to being gentle with yourself and forgiving the judgments that you're holding. And it doesn't make you a better person to feel guilty about something. Yeah. And so let go of the guilt and you can literally do that moment to moment. You don't have to hold on to it. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I got to know you better and I just love this conversation and I know the community will love it. And just a note to everyone that's listening, if you enjoyed this, I know this episode can help so many. It's a really honest conversation about things that we might not want to share with others, things that might not go beyond the therapy conversation and like things that can liberate other women out there that are maybe just feeling some of these things behind the scenes from being a mother to being a wife to dealing with loss to building a business. So if you have been, you know, on the receiving end of this and you have enjoyed it, I invite you to share it with someone that you love and just send them a little love note. You never know how much it can help them. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Miracle Minded Community. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you so much.